This is Fireground Action Photography, Episode 45 for December 6th, 2009. On this episode, we're joined by Timothy Tons, Rick Knoll, and Ted Pendergast. We'll get some updates from them, and we'll dive right into the first part in our series on Adobe Lightroom. Hey everybody and welcome back to Fireground Action Photography, the podcast produced by and for photographers specializing in emergency services action photography. I am your host, Craig Durling, and joining me again, it's been a little while since we've been with you here, but we are now back in full force and we have a full boat for you today. We got a great panel. Ross Benson is joining me again in studio here. Welcome back, sir. Hey, Craig. How are you? Where do you want me to lay my coat and my boots and my turnouts and my all this gear I brought with Just me? Over next to mine, please. Don't okay. get the floor wet. All right. Thank but, you. Uh, Welcome yeah, back. You, yeah, we uh, had Marcel Melanson on the uh, last show, and you weren't able to uh, get down to Compton with me. But I have you enjoyed watching his shows. Yes. The season has ended. Uh, the first in. And he's getting a lot of great feedback. They're shopping it around, trying to go for a season two. So we wish Marcel well with that. But uh, returning to the show are the the trifecta (laughs) of perfecta, right, is uh, from uh, Castle Rock, Colorado. We have Timothy Tonge with us. Welcome back, Tim. It's been so long. It's been so long, and the last time we checked, we had uh, thunderstorms, and uh, right now it's 19 degrees with snow on the way. Yeah, I, I, the reports have uh, are predicting an inch and a half to three inches of rain here in Los Angeles uh, on Monday morning. So I'll put my uh, sandbags out and stay off the roads, <laughs> but I'll have the camera at the ready. Also with us from Boston is our good old friend Rick Knoll. Welcome back, Hello. Rick. Hello. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. Welcome. Welcome back, sir. And also from back home. See, I get in trouble for saying back east. I get I get crap for saying back east all the time. From the metro Boston area is our friend Ted Pendergast. Welcome back, Ted. Hello to all. Now, we have... Thanks uh, for joining us, everybody. It's great to have uh, everybody here, or as you know, as many that are here. It's great. It's hard to get this many people together with your busy schedules. I know you're all always out at fire scenes and big disasters in your areas shooting away. So it's good to have one quiet day uh, out here. We, we can all get together. But do anybody have any updates? It has been a while. Thanksgiving has come and gone now. We've got Christmas coming. Um, I understand. Uh, yeah, Rick, you uh, you had another Detroit junket where you went with some friends to go shooting uh, fires in Detroit, and we haven't heard uh, any updates from that. How did that go? It was uh, it was a pretty good uh, trip for us. We went out uh, Devil's Night, or actually the week of Devil's Night. We were in the city for about five days. Um, unfortunately, Friday night, which is Devil's Night, well, was Devil's Night this past. Uh, October, it uh, rained a good portion of the evening. So the fires uh, overall from historically were down. Uh, But we did catch a few jobs and uh, made a bunch of images and some video. And still working on editing that, of course, when I could find time. But uh, overall, it was a good trip. And there was... uh, there was a number of photographers out there. It was actually kind of comical. Well, you had told uh, you had told me that it, there some scenes there were more photog- It seemed like there were more photographers than firefighters. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, we were <laughs> we were uh, jockeying for position uh, 
between the photographers and the firefighters. They they had some uh, pretty good looks at the 30-some-odd photographers that were photographing them at various jobs throughout the city. So it was, how, it was kind of funny. How has this gotten to be so popular? How has this become a destination? Just the spread of, you know, word of mouth about how, how many fires they have there or what? Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's a couple of things. I think it's word of mouth, but I think it's also that, you know, we've been posting images and video on our personal websites and YouTube and uh, and uh, we've been talking about it here. Fire. Not that anybody listens. Yeah, well, no, I think you know people <laughs> listen. Obviously, I, I've I've personally got a number of emails from people, you know, inquiring about how to buff out there and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I've been responding to them and giving them information that we've learned over the six times that we've been out there in the last couple of years now was uh, it is it busy in a bad way are you kind of stepping on each other or are you are you attracting more attention as a group than you'd like to from law enforcement or or the crowds yeah, well, at these fires you know, i had never been out there for devil's night and, and, and de buffing devil's night and buffing on a just a regular weekend are really two two different uh ball games uh Devil's Night is very, you know, they have a bad history over the years in the city, and you know, some I guess the media has played it up over the years and basically given the the city a bad reputation that the you know the city burns down over uh, Halloween weekend. So they have a large amount of law enforcement personnel come out over the three day uh, time frame, which we really didn't have any problem with them. They were pretty cordial to the photographers, but. Um, you know, it was just, it was kind of interesting to show up at a fire with the fire trucks arriving and the SWAT teams arriving and the photographers arriving all at the same time Jeez. and everybody's jockeying for position. And it, it was just, you know, it was a little bit out of hand. You got to get there quick, huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Got to get a parking space. Wow. Yeah. They need to set up a valet parking system <laughs> at these fires, huh? Now, Rick, I'm, I'm curious with all those people showing up, I mean, a good slew of photographers of the photographers, how many of them were, uh, New, uh, seasoned, you know, and experienced pro guys or? Um, well, there was a, f you know, there was a couple of different groups that it looked like from, a, from across the area. Um, there was a group from the Chicago area, which I knew a couple of the photographers and a lot of them I didn't know. Uh, and then there was a group from, uh, there was our group actually. And then there was a, a separate group from the Rhode Island area. Um, and they had about eight or nine guys, and we all know them. So you that's know, the we, whole population of Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we were, you know, we were we were in contact with them basically the whole trip, and uh, so we ran into them a few times. They they did pretty well for themselves, and you know the city's pretty large, so it's not like all the photographers were in the same section of the city. So we tried to, you know, we knew where they were, so maybe we went to the other side, so we all didn't run into each other, but. Eventually, you know, at the larger fires, everybody would show up. Right. So you were with the just, you were with the cool kids. No. Yeah. Nothing changes. And were you able to communicate with everybody? Or? That's what I was going to ask. Were you using radios, or did you have the Nextels going? What what system did Flash you use? Flash gang signs. You know, we're from smoke <laughs> signals. Just smoke <laughs> signals. Uh, well, the, we had a couple cars in our immediate group, so we were on the we had Nextels, and we also had cell phone. Um, but we were able to do text messaging with the, that group from Rhode Island, so we were, you know, texting back and forth about this and that. But no radio systems. There's no, there was no radio systems hmm. to use out there. 
Even on the fire ground, you didn't have anything going in on direct. No, because of the, you know it's really sort of a little bit different out in Detroit, just because of the the nature of the area is a little bit dangerous. So we try to not venture away from each other. Um, you know, right? If we want to go to the rear of the building, we usually will go with two of us. Will go to the rear of the building to photograph, or you know, we try to sort of keep within visual uh, contact with whoever we're with. You know. Um, just for those those purposes, but right. we didn't have any problems. Well, good because I know you've been there many times. You're going to start a company around, uh, you know, leading junkets and group <laughs> tours around these things. That's been talked about. That's been talked yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Discovery's well, going to. We're working with Discovery Channel right now. To yeah. Try to stuff now that Sean Casey got his tornado shot, and the, they're looking yeah, for I'm something gonna, new, right? Buy a Reed Timmer's truck for the show, and you know, just yeah. change the look. Something tells me it'll be available. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, glad you had a good trip there. We'll, uh, pro- I'm sure we'll talk about that again before next uh, Devil's Night comes around. And I'm just curious, do you have those images up, Rick, anywhere? Or? Uh, some of them are up on my uh, Smug Mug site, and there are some up on my blog. So I Emergency Services Images. Emergencyserviceimages.com is my photo website, and my new uh, updated blog is com. Oh, you're a mogul now. Yes. I see. An, a new medium mogul. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for, thanks for that. Yeah. Thanks for that update. It does. It says that on there. Something about a multimedia it does say mogul. Multimedia. Yes. I'm still yeah. learning how to shoot video and stills at the same time, and I don't like it. Multimedia juggernaut. Um, yeah, I'm doing the video and stills thing. I'm, I'm making different brackets and things and trying to trying to get it working. And uh, it's, if you, you make know. a real good bracket, let me know because I'll buy one from you. Well, I'm real happy with the, with the one we've talked about. Um, yeah, past uh, a past show. Um, I actually used it while I was in uh, was in Bosque del Apache uh, yeah. over Thanksgiving week in New Mexico. It's a national uh, wildlife refuge, and it's was the peak of the uh, sandhill crane and snow goose migration. So um, I, had, I used that a bit there um, on a tripod, uh, just kind of doing double duty because, uh, you know, I could have it do it, be having a few things going on at the same time. Uh, still have the video to edit from that and going through about 6,500 still images uh, from that week. But uh, there was, there was a, it was a great week. It kicked my butt. I went there with a cold and left with pneumonia, I think. Um, well, there's something about getting up at 4 in the morning every day, in the dark, in 12-degree weather, standing next to a small body of water waiting for 10,000 snow geese to wake up. <laughs> now, I'm still coughing. Um, it, w- it was worth it, but a lot of people wouldn't consider that a vacation, much less the 12-hour drive to get there. But I had a blast, uh, and I'm working on the images slowly but surely, um, and uh, I'll be updating those uh, on my website um, as, uh, as I get a, a little more accomplished. Uh, so more on that later. Keep an eye on my blog for that stuff. Uh, Timothy Tons, last we spoke, you were about to run up and down a large building. Did that occur? You survived, obviously, if you did it. Ah, uh, the nine uh, eleven. Yeah, I did the uh, 110 uh, flights at the Quest Building. It's uh, two times up. 55 flights of uh, stairs. I did it for the first time last year and uh, had to shed my turnout gear or at least my jacket and helmet for the second half. So my goal this year was not to uh, shed anything. And I managed to do it. Went up with the first Castle Rock team. We had uh, five or six teams in there. And uh, I got to tell you, it gives you a real appreciation uh, for what the guys do and uh, what the guys in New York uh, did uh, years ago. Uh, um, So my 
certainly, uh, certainly is a challenge and uh, quite a team building spirit to do it. And as a department photographer, anytime I can do stuff like that, I try to do it. But it's not easy. And uh, the first 55 weren't too bad. But the second 55, it took uh, every bit of support from the, the other five on the team to keep me going. Well, and you but, were uh, were you taking pictures throughout, or or I just took a, some <laughs> some yeah. pictures of uh, your I, foot, I, of I, a step, of a railing. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got a couple. Uh, but uh, so I did carry my <laughs> gear. I didn't take the air pack. Some of the guys had the air pack, but I took my camera and was in full bunker gear. And uh, again, fifty five flights uh, wasn't too bad. The second fifty five was rough. Uh, that's that's. That's using saying it mildly, but I really didn't slow the team up, and uh, it's quite a feeling of accomplishment when you uh, when you do make it to the top. Yeah. So I did do that. It was the nine eleven stair stair climb, of course, uh, in remembrance of uh, of of nine eleven and New York fire. Well, good for you. Congratulations for making it, and thanks for representing fire photographers everywhere in doing that. That's uh, that's great. Were there other photographers there? There was uh, one other fellow from Denver, but he took a little bit of stuff on the bottom and uh, and uh, didn't uh, didn't do the climb. And of course, there's there's always media at those those events. But uh, uh, I was the only department photographer to uh, to make the climb. Well, good for you. We look forward to hearing uh, next about next year. You know, they're going <laughs> to find a taller building for you. I hope not. <laughs> Something with a basement, maybe. Ted, Ted Pendergast. <clears throat> it's your turn. What have you been up to? Well, let's see. When when last we spoke, um, I hadn't been to a major incident since May, and I am uh, proud to say I've been able to maintain that status quo. So we're looking forward to next May. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I got my t- I got my sights set on uh, on another six months of nothingness. Uh, no, no, that's I, not it, that's not your fault. I mean. No, it's yeah. not. Well, it's, it's scheduling, I guess, too, being in the right place at the right time and being sure. available to take something in. But uh, it, it's been fairly quiet, at least in my immediate area. The The area has been uh, picking up activity a little bit uh, here and there. But uh, unfortunately, just the timing and the location hasn't been right for me. But uh, took time uh, during the fall. I think we may have spoken uh, back during foliage season, made a couple of photo trips uh, up to Vermont. That's and, right. Uh, in that area and, and had a lot of success, I think, uh in that and, and just kind of taking the time to hone some basic photography skills, um, kind of refresh my, my memory on the equipment and everything else just so that I don't get caught, uh, right. when, when the bell does strike. Well, the point uh, is to, is to be shooting something, right? Is to be exactly. using your, your camera, no matter what you're shooting. Now tonight is, we're going to do a Lightroom show. Um, but really what we've exposed here, and I think, Ted, you've mentioned it before, was what a great topic for a show is talking about what else we like to shoot, what else interests us. And mm-hmm. so far tonight, we've talked already talked about several things. Um, and uh, you, I've seen uh, the stuff you and, and Rick and others have gotten from your uh, New England photography uh, this uh, fall, and it's uh, spectacular stuff. And that really is a, um, a time and place thing, too. Uh, I mean, you can plan a trip back to New England, for the foliage, and you can miss it by a day or a couple of days, or be there the wrong week. And very true, yeah. And it's uh, it's interesting. I, yeah, I was back there uh, visiting family and um, and spent a good deal of the time up in up in New Hampshire, going through the White Mountains, and very happy with the stuff I got. Still jealous of a lot of the stuff you guys got. You it looks like you went deep into Vermont, got some fantastic stuff. So good for you. And I think we'll probably talk about uh, that whole thing uh, on an, on another show uh, by itself. 
I think it'll be uh, interesting because it's uh, again, it's about the photography, it's about the technique, it's not just what we're taking pictures of, right? Well, yeah, I think I think as 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 frequently as you can take pictures, uh, you know, it keeps your skills up. It keeps uh, you reminded of camera settings, of of exposure, of all the things that you need to be thinking about. Uh, on the fire ground, and if you wait until the bell hits to try and recall all of that stuff instead of keeping it fresh, um, you're 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 going to be in a tough spot to make sure that you can get the images you want. Absolutely, when when the stress is up and 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 it's uh, it's dark and smoky, a lot of it brings back it exercises that muscle memory too. Of where Absolutely. is that? You know, it's it's dark. Where the heck is that button? Where is that? You can it reminds you of how to how to get around your camera in the dark just by just by feel. I'm just wondering, going around the horn real quick, we talked about uh, <clears throat> what we're shooting lately. Anybody have uh, any new equipment that uh, they've picked up the last couple of days or any major equipment failures that uh, you could share? I know I have, but I'll let the horn start. <laughs> go ahead, horn. <laughs> <laughs> How about we can go alphabetically or you can just jump in? <laughs> yeah, not looking around the room here. Um, those guys back east. Just, ju- just jump in, whoever. Anybody? Uh, I, I can, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't really acquired any, any new equipment. I've been looking at maybe getting some new stuff, but I just have to come to terms with whether or not, whether or not I want to part with that kind of money. Um, right. but, uh, there've been a few things that have come out, um, in the in recent, uh, months that, that, uh, interest me as far as equipment goes. I, I I'm pretty satisfied with what I have camera wise um even even to the point of lenses i mean i think that's one thing most photographers will say you know i'm happy with what i got but geez that one lens would be nice or this lens would be nice but i have to say i'm in a good place right now for what i shoot um right now i'm pretty happy with with the equipment that i have um i wouldn't mind upgrading some of my uh, my memory cards but but uh right now nothing new and i'm and i'm good with what i got well i will tell you i tweeted it a week or so ago i discovered that uh that SanDisk is still having their big rebate on the three packs of, mm-hmm. of their cards. I just ordered another three pack of eight gig uh, Extreme Three cards, compact flash cards, and after the rebate, I think it comes to seventy dollars or something for the three. It's an eighty dollar rebate. Uh, so if you yeah. go to and I did it through Adorama. If you go to Adorama dot com, they have a, a list of all the SanDisk cards that are in, in, uh, included in the promotion, and I think that's good till January tenth. Or so uh, around there of 2010, so it's a kind of a good chance to stuff your own uh, Christmas stocking with some new uh, photo cards. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I uh, I had uh, a strobe failure. My uh, 580ex died, and I don't know what happened. So I sent it. Well, I, apparently I I do know what happened. I dropped it. Um, but <laughs> but you didn't break it. The ground broke it. Well, I didn't know what was wrong with it. It just stopped working, and I realized that, oh, yeah, that was laying on the ground one day. So I sent it into Canon. But get this. I sent it into Canon. They shipped it back, and I just got it two days ago. First set of batteries in it, fired it off, and it died. It's oh, dead again. Really? I don't know. I got to send it back to Canon. So it's like we were talking about you know a while back um, – I think it was Ted, Ted or Rick talking about the old potato masher type. Um, well, I know Ted uses one and swears yeah. by it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sunpack, Sunpack. Uh, 522. Sunpack. Okay, that's because I have the 522, and I pulled it out of the garage. I can't find all the parts to it. but I, And I went online yesterday to find, because if I, my Canon has crapped out on me, I think um, 
what I need to do is maybe I'll go back to the sun pack and it puts out a lot of light. I know that. And I just have to get used to holding the camera different and all those sort of get things. Get that carpal tunnel back. Yeah. I did. I, now that you mentioned failures, I had a ca- not a catastrophic failure, but I was shooting a football game uh, a couple weeks ago, just before I went on vacation. And one of my favorite lenses, my 70 to 200 uh, L series, the 2.8, my war horse, um, the autofocus died on it right in the middle of the game. And luckily, I had an extra lens nearby. I could uh, switch out real quick. Um, and then somebody said, well, it's an older lens. It's, there's no warranty issue. Just go ahead and, and take the uh, – it had been a – I had been having trouble with the autofocus switch, you know, between audio, autofocus and manual. And I would fiddle with it, and autofocus would come back. Well, now it wasn't coming back. So what did I do? I opened the little autofocus switch thing because somebody said it couldn't hurt. Well, what happened? The contacts went flying off the back of it. Turns out they're just stuck on there with a little dab of glue, so I have a feeling that was where the problem was anyway. I think the glue had given, and they were the sensors, the little things were just going back and forth with the switch, and it wasn't doing anything. So either way, it's going to go back to Canon. Now it's wrapped in plastic with a rubber band. It is definitely going well, you, to Canon. You know that sign that you always go into repair shops, and it says, send equipment to us, $50, open it yourself, $350? Mm-hmm. You couldn't have told me two weeks ago. <laughs> no, I, I I did that once with a lens, and when spring started hitting the ceiling and binging me back in the head, I said, I'm never opening the lens again. <laughs> it's in the rear cap, the front you know, filter, and that's about it. Yeah, but, uh, I got a little brave. Maybe I'm looking for an excuse to buy a new lens. I don't know. Now, I'm sending my stuff directly all the way back to Canon through his camera store. All the way to Irvine? Yeah, through a yeah. camera store that way, you know, it gets tracked and all. But right. do you do the same thing, send it right to the manufacturer? I, you know, I haven't sent stuff. And so the last time I sent anything, I was I belonged to CPS, Canon Professional Services. So I had a direct thing to Canon. Um, now that they charge all kinds of money for it, um, I'm not a member. So I'll probably end up going through a camera shop. That brings up a good point. CPS, and I'm just curious, wasn't it January or was it last January that they started their new? I think it was last January. Okay. Or or yeah. July or something. It was this past year. Um, so I'll either find a roundabout way to do it or I'll go through a, a camera shop. Mm. We'll see. But the lens right now is DOA. But, you know, all else failed, I took and went to available light. I, you know, have a little pop-up flash on the camera. But, you know, instead of losing everything, I decided, well. I then your battery would have died. Well. <laughs> you know, one thing, I, when it rains, it pours, right? Oh, yeah. But uh, anybody else, any any new toys, anything on your Christmas list that you're hoping to buy yourself? One thing, Craig, when I uh, when I had my uh, when I dropped my 100 to 400 uh, and broke that, I sent it directly back to Canon uh, Repair Facility. I was not a member of the CPS, and you know they sent me a they emailed me the. Um, you know, they looked at it and they said, "This is what's wrong with it, and this is how much it's going to be to fix it." Do you want to fix it? So that's good. Something to keep in mind. You can actually, it's, I mean, you can send them uh, equipment to be repaired. I don't think you have to be. You know, you send have it, to pay send for it, it, obviously. Yeah, you can send it direct. I guess. Huh? A lot of guys yeah. I know just go down to Irvine and drop it off themselves. I mean, they yeah. have a their repair facility is in Orange County here. Oh, okay. So, um, so you can probably just walk in. Yeah, I think you can. I think you can walk right into the service center. So. I might give that a try if I feel like taking the drive to Orange County. I know you said it a second ago. You just said uh, new equipment. Uh, I saw the new brochure for the Canon 7D, I believe it is. The and, what? Yeah. There's a new Canon out? Oh, there is. And I asked. Uh, That's weird. 
I asked uh, the guy at the camera store the other day, and he said, this one, don't waste your money on 40Ds, 50Ds. He said, the 7D, they have retooled that thing. It's leak-proof. It's bomb-resistant, and it is made for a pro. Perfect. Scott Bourne did tell me, though, that uh, the um, Adobe Camera Raw uh, plugins for it right now aren't quite there yet. Mm. Uh, so they're, the the shots that he's getting out of his are very noisy right now, even at low ISOs. That's just a matter of them. Yeah, that's a tweaking the uh, the uh, a version, yeah, yeah. the software, right? So it's not necessarily a camera issue. It's more the the conversion with the the, <clears throat> the raw. If you even shoot raw, if you shoot JPEG, it might not be such an issue. But I know I shoot all raw now, thanks to you guys poking me. Yes, very good. Yeah, all raw. And I don't with Lightroom. I don't even really notice a difference anymore. It doesn't no. ma- doesn't make a difference anymore. Nope. Um, wow, was that there was an accidental segue, huh? <laughs> We're here to talk about Lightroom tonight, and I know uh, Tim, you've used it for a while. You've sworn by it for quite a while. Uh, the combination of the three of you talked me into finally making the leap. Um, and uh, I know we've wanted to talk about it for a while, so we are going to talk about it tonight. We're reserving the uh, the right to make uh, to do a part two of this if the conversation takes us there. So uh, we may uh, not get to everything we want to get to. We we can certainly do a, a second or even third show about it uh, if we feel the need arises. But we're at least going to start getting into it on this episode. Um, but uh, Lightroom uh, is from Adobe, right, Tim? You're gonna you. Uh, you probably know a lot of the specs here, but right now Adobe uh, 2.5, I think, is the current version that's out. I'd have to look at my about, but uh, version 2-something yeah. is... Uh, and I think uh, version 3 is in beta right now. 2.5 and 3.0 is in beta. And uh, before we begin, though, since you just said it, the three of us told you to get it. Was that not good advice? What else is there? No, he went and he won it. At a show. No, I, well, no, I didn't win it. I bought it at a at an, a, a charity auction at the uh, NADPA conference. But um, it's a two hundred or three hundred dollar program. I forget. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Right there on top, two hundred. Let's backtrack a little. And we're all used to Photoshop and Lightroom. Photoshop, and you know, I used. Um, we have some and, real and, beginners. And, yeah, I still have Photo Mechanic that I use once in a while to do quick sorts on stuff. But you know, for, the background for me is I used grew up on Photoshop. And uh, and used Photoshop for everything. Photoshop was my workflow. And as I got into wildlife photography, as I got into taking more pictures, a higher volume of pictures, it was just a nightmare to 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 do any processing to go through these pictures because you had to open everything up individually in Photoshop. There was no qu- really quick way to do anything or to do any batch uh, manipulation. Um, I did some stuff in – that's why, one reason I got Photo Mechanic because I could at least go through real quickly and pick the ones I wanted to look at again. Um, and it's just a very sluggish way to do any kind of workflow if you're dealing with any number of, uh, of images. And, and Lightroom, I had heard about. You guys had talked, uh, talked about it a bit and, and really spoke highly of it, pushed me to get it. I, I had the opportunity to get it at this auction. Um, and I did, and I've been using it ever since. And really, at this point, I can say I hate having to use Photoshop for anything. Um, when I'm doing large volumes of, of, uh, of images, image editing, it's gotten to the point where a lot of times now, depending on what the output's going to be, depending on what I'm going to be using the images for, if I can't do it in Lightroom, I'm probably not going to do it at all. 
Uh, if there's some tweaking I can't do, there's a, on occasion I'll bring it into Photoshop to put text on an image or something. But it, it has uh, sped up uh, my workflow and and lowered my stress stress level so much. I, I I owe you guys one, and I'm using it. I'm using it every day. I'm using it right now to go through those uh, images that I shot in New Mexico. And if I had tried to do that in Photoshop, I would have I would have uh, gone to the loony bin. Now, a week ago. I'm, I'm just real curious. Pa- uh, Mac, PC, both ways, either way? Both ways. Well, let's, a- let's ask you guys. I-, I have a Mac and a PC. I'm using Lightroom now strictly on the Mac just because it looks so good and, and the machine is so much faster than the Windows machine. Um, Tim, you said you're using both? Uh, well, I don't have the Mac, so I'm using Windows, and uh, so it's available for both. Right, and that's one plus it has over Aperture. You may have heard of Aperture. Uh, that's an Apple product and only works on the Mac. Uh, where Lightroom is basically usually uh, the equivalent in conversations with Aperture. They're very similar programs, but the benefit Lightroom has is it works on Windows and Mac, or, uh, Mac-based computers. Uh, Rick, what are you using for? I am using Lightroom on Windows. On Windows, and Ted, you're using Lightroom now. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on a Windows machine as well. Okay, are you happy with the way it it works? Uh, it behaves on a, on Windows machines. Oh yeah, um, on my machine it's a little bit slow. It can be a little bit slow depending on as long as I don't have anything else going on. Right now, the Windows machine I have is an older machine and it's just painfully slow, which is prob- probably why I just migrated that stuff toward the Mac. But everybody should have a Mac by now. And mine's <laughs> a sixty-four bit, so and it works great. So yeah, yeah, I'm in the same boat with Tim. Uh, my uh, I I, had, I think we talked about this a while ago, maybe a year ago. I had spec'd out a computer specifically for photo editing, basically, and photo and, and hopefully video at some point in the future. So I had it tweaked for it. So it's I've had no problems with it at all. It's a, it's a sixty-four bit machine as well. And I'm just curious, the learning curve. Um, I know Craig says had said has told me that he's taken. You know, class or two, and I'm just wondering, uh, PC versus Mac. I guess Tim, you've been using it for a while. How about the other guys? Um, are you? Is it something that is easy to move into, or is it something that's going to scare somebody because the manual is 968 pages big? Yeah, how's the learning curve? Um, for me, uh, it wasn't too bad. I mean, I've been uh, all along. Using Photoshop, I started using Photoshop Elements, then I moved to Photoshop, uh, real Photoshop, CS2, I think, was the first real one that I bought. And then I migrated to Lightroom. Um, along the way, on both of the, when I switched to Photoshop CS2, I did, I took a week-long seminar on how to, you know, use that. And then when I went to Lightroom, uh, I took another uh Two seminars, I think, on Lightroom, just to just to really get myself situated on you know how to get it set up um, with the cataloging. That's really the big thing is you you need to get your catalog set up properly so you can get your images all squared away um, in yeah. one particular location. And then once once you have that done, importing images into the catalog that's pre-existing is very easy, and then you're off into the develop mode and editing pictures, which is even easier. <laughs> right now, we're, I want to get into some of the resources that, that are out there for people too, um, a little in a little bit. But uh, Tim, maybe uh, you could give us the Reader's Digest version uh, for those out there that still don't know what Lightroom really is. W- what exactly is it? Is it a workflow program? Does it replace Photoshop? Uh, w- what is Lightroom all about? Well. 
keep in mind that Photoshop was not designed as a as a exclusively for photographers, but rather it was a, a image editing and graphics program. And Photoshop hit a broad range of uh, of users, and Adobe developed Lightroom specifically for photographers. And so Lightroom One came out, and this was Adobe's photographer based program. So so we start with that, and and. And what they've designed is a program that can that can handle uh, virtually all of your of your needs of a photographer from importing and cataloging and keywording, which is the beginning that would be in the library module, but importing your photos and giving it some tags and uh, and catalog management, and then you move over to the develop settings, which are incredibly easy to get back to your to your uh, first question, uh, is there a steep learning curve? I don't think so. I think it's very intuitive. You're using sliders and uh, simple things. Uh, the subtleties take more. But uh, So you bring in your pictures in one module. You move over to develop in another module. Then there's three more modules in uh, the slideshow uh, module, which will get particularly stronger in uh, Lightroom 3.0. A printing module it has all sorts of... Uh, uh, of templates and, and ease of printing and a web module where you can pick pictures and it basically builds uh, web pages and, and even uploads them to your website. So it's a complete full-featured uh, solution designed for photographers. And within it, there are many, many subtleties. But if you think of it in those five areas, cataloging, developing, a simple slideshow, a full-featured print, and a simple web output – um, that's what Lightroom does. And what you call thanks for that. And uh, when you say module, if you look at the Lightroom uh, control panel, the screen in front of you, you can go to each of those modules along the top right. You just click on library, develop, you know, web, and all that. And you go. It takes you from module to module. One thing that that is encouraging, I find encouraging with Lightroom especially for somebody that's new to it, somebody that's trying to learn Lightroom, is it's non-destructive. There's nothing you're doing. You're not doing anything permanent to your image. There's a big reset button. You can bring it all back to the beginning, but it doesn't, even though you're, you're moving sliders around, you're adjusting, uh, making adjustments to saturation, to luminance and, and all of that, curves, you're doing it, but it, it, those those changes don't actually take effect. They're not applied until you output the image, until you go to export it for whatever purpose you're going to export it to. So you never, whereas Photoshop, if you hit save after you've done stuff, you've done it. You've changed your original image forever. You're not going to get that back. You can't undo what you've done once you hit save. With Lightroom, it's it's different. And I, did that make it easier for, for you guys, Ted and Rick? Uh, and Tim to to learn it made certainly made me a, a lot more comfortable when I was learning the program, knowing that I wasn't actually affecting or degrading the original image. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, that was one of the big things that you know you're not manipulating your original image when you're operating in Lightroom. Um, and one of the other things, which I'm sure we'll get into in the in the future, is that you can create virtual copies of a particular image so if you want to fool around with an image in color and then you want to see what you can do with it in black and white you can actually just make a, a copy of the original image and manipulate it and you're really not even working with that original image you're just working on a virtual copy well i notice on your website you have 
several images that you have done both. You you show the color, and then you yeah. make a black and white. And I've noticed that on a couple of your uh, yours and uh, somebody else's site, and it's interesting to see. Um, because that's what we all used to shoot, if you recall, the old tri oh, yeah. and Panics yeah. days. And the, uh, the, the what we look at there, you know, fire is great to look at, but when you're looking at it in black and white, it's a whole different perspective. It's a whole different, yeah. I mean, I used to carry two cameras, one color, one black and white, back in the day. And I used to carry one with film and without film. <laughs> well, not <laughs> on purpose, but I, I told everybody I did it on purpose. Um, well, that's interesting about black and white, is there are different ways to turn a color photo image into a black and white image. And some, the easiest technique is just taking the saturation all the way down to zero. But Lightroom uh, offers you different methods to use, all of which are better than just eliminating the saturation. They, there's actually a module or a section in there um, about working with black and white. And you go, go in and make some other adjustments that will render you uh, truly what would look like a, a, a real black and white image of shot with black and white film versus because if you look at somebody just lowers the saturation on a color image, it goes dull. It gets washed out. You can tell what's been done. But Lightroom really allows you to work uh, a color image into a really uh, contrasty, uh, you know, even you could say saturated. It's black and white, but you have a richness to it, uh, just like an old black and white image that that you can't get just by doing it the easy way with saturation like you you know you used to in uh in photoshop I, I think photoshop offers the same kind of function too now but uh know that it, lightroom does offer different ways to do that i know um you have the book a uh, book sitting here craig on uh the uh the desk and yep. um the name i don't the think bible you, the bible and uh it's uh lightroom two by scott kelby um and i i say that name scott kelby i am a uh a student of Scott Kelby's. I've gone to his seminars, and uh, I will say, if anybody can teach Lightroom or, or Photoshop, and I took one of his original Photoshop, and I'll tell you, he breaks it down for any level. I mean, you don't have to be an ace or a you know that college graduate student with four diplomas to understand his book. And some people make books that you can't. Right. And uh, Scott Kelby training, I know, offers. Um, classes in Lightroom, and you don't have to pay a fortune. You could pay $19 for a class. Are these online? Or? Uh-huh. Okay. On, on, online. So if you if the baby starts crying and you don't get to finish it, you come back and you That's ScottKelbyTraining.com is yep. his website. Yep. It's Kelby, K-E-L-B-Y. And the book he's referring to, we, we may all have. I don't know. I know, Rick, you have it. It's the Adobe Photoshop Lightroom 2 Book for Digital Photographers. Uh, it's a large paperback book. It's full color. And I'll tell you, uh, photo and Photoshop, uh, you know, these tutorial books normally scare me because it's like reading, you know, a, a spec manual for some a dishwasher or something. Um, and they're usually very dry, very clinical. I opened this book, and it's full of color images. He walks you through. He goes, what's your problem? Let's see. How? I just opened the book, page 135, how to set your overall exposure. And it's... Six pages, color images, step one through ten, outlined right in front of you. And it's very clear, concise. He's not talking over you. He's not talking down to you. Well, he uh, has a couple a, of guys. Very well written. When, uh, if you go to Scott Kelby Training, he does, you can watch live videos, uh, him and a couple other guys. And these are experts in Lightroom. 
and they'll walk you through and they'll tell you where it is in the book. And um, you could, there's a lot of things. I do know I got an email just last week that he was offering a lot of his books um, at reduced rates for Christmas, uh-huh. you know, and you know, we were talking earlier, Christmas gifts and so forth. Great book. If somebody wants to know, and a lot of times if you take a related workshop, you can get a discount. I, as I did on this book, I took – I'm more of a workshop guy usually than a book guy, but I couldn't I could not, couldn't not not buy this book. Rick, yours is probably all tabbed out and, and dog-eared and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah right. Uh-huh. Now, I, I got to admit, I didn't – I haven't sat down and read through the book. What I've done is when something comes up, I run into a little problem in, in Lightroom, still being very new to it, I look it up in this book, and it walks me right through the problem. Um, I probably should uh, leave through it to see just stuff that I can do that I'm not even aware of. Oh, I have pages. I have his original digital photography book and his first one of his first books on Adobe uh, Photoshop. It's how to manipulate that one pixel? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I have little marks in there and pages are, are dog-eared. Um, he is, I believe, past president or um, founder of NAPP, National Association of Photoshop Professionals. Cost you a hundred bucks a year to join. If you're in the middle of doing your workflow and you have a problem, they have an eight hundred number for you. Yeah, I mean it's it's and also when you join NAPP, you get a discount on all his products and it goes back to NAPP. And do you guys are you guys more workshop guys or or book guys? I know I, I went to a, a workshop that uh, on Lightroom that uh, Sammy's. Uh, down in LA put on it was a two-day workshop and you got a like a 20% discount on the Kelby book but sitting in front of the computer be hands-on is is just I learn better that way uh, how do you how do you guys fall down on that one I tend to just jump in and, and if need be get a book so with Lightroom I just I just started at it and uh, eventually got a book but again it, it it's very intuitive uh, at least for me and uh uh, it's also very logical. You work through the logical, work through the modules, and they sort of take you from beginning to end uh, along the way. Yeah, I, I, um, <clears throat> I, I, I'm one of those people. If I'm building something, I'll read the directions to do it. But if when it comes to camera equipment and computer stuff, I tend to just jump in and start playing around. Um, and to go back to um, to Ross's question. Uh, very briefly, Lightroom is one of those things you can very easily do that um, because it's non-destructive. You can just, you know what, I'm going to load it up, jump in and start, well, what does this do? What does that do? And start playing around with things. That said, the next best thing is a Kelby book, in my opinion. I love Scott Kelby's books. I've been using, uh, I'm a Photoshop Elements guide. I, I don't use the full version of Photoshop. Um, and I have had two of his books for different versions of Photoshop Elements that I've owned. I like his sense of humor that he writes into the books. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, aside from initially learning how to do things it, it, the same way that um, that Craig does, when I hit a snag, I go, oh, I know where to go. And I go find it, find the subject in the back of the book. I go find that chapter, and then I use it as a workbook to go through my stuff. I did take a um, a Lightroom uh, 2.0 class um, just to actually just about four week, three or four weeks ago. Um, and it was actually the, the level two class. I never took the, the basic class, but I probably will go back and take that one anyways, even though I'm, I've been using it for a while, just because there are things that – you won't find on your own 
or that you found, but you didn't really realize it could do what it can do. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody will point it out, and, and that's the benefit, as Craig has said, of, of having somebody actually show you on the program how to do something. You'll suddenly go, oh, yeah. okay, now I know. And it, and it all works out and it figures out. I will also add that um, I believe on the Adobe website, if you kind of drill down a little bit through the various things on the Adobe website, there are tutorials, video tutorials available for Lightroom on numerous different subjects. I mean, they've got to have two, three, four dozen video tutorials on their site for Lightroom stuff on all different subjects, all different aspects of things. So it would, it's definitely anybody that's got Lightroom or even is, is just curious about Lightroom, it's worth going to take a look. It's kind of like, kind of like a YouTube a YouTube uh, of Lightroom. Well, and and there are YouTube videos on Light on, uh, on sure. Lightroom. And uh, sorry to interrupt, but before before the show, we were joking that I'm not a, big into the books because I understand, you know, I, I hear when you once you open them, it lowers their value, just like Star Wars action figures. <laughs> so, so I don't tend to open books, but you know, you, we're talking about resources. Um, if you have an iPod, if you already listen to podcasts, obviously if you're listening to this, you listen to podcasts. There are some great Lightroom podcasts and uh, from Adobe um, on iTunes and out there on the Adobe site. There are uh, video tutorials um, that I've downloaded many of, and the topic is listed right next to it. So if it's something you think you'd be interested in, then you download that, that, that podcast uh, from Adobe. Uh, and they're right on light, uh, uh, um, well, iTunes. If you go to iTunes and, and you put in Lightroom, you'll see these podcasts come up. And, and there are some from Adobe. There are some, some from uh, other entities out there. But the, I've found some of them very useful. I would uh, recommend, and I wanted to make sure I mentioned this, Lightroom for Digital Photographers uh, comes out about once a week. And he puts a little ad in there uh, at the beginning of it or the end of it for about 30 seconds selling his stuff. But it's all video and it's very good. Lightroom for Digital Photographers is the name of that podcast. And I'd I'd highly recommend that. Then does Kelby do a, a podcast or is it something uh, like a tutorial that's downloaded Cl from his website? Is Matt Klukowski does uh, Adobe Photoshop Lightroom Killer Tips. It's intermittent. The last one I had, uh, well, as luck would have it, came out uh, on 12-2, but sometimes he goes a while without doing them. So um, um, Matt Klukowski Klikaus puts out uh, Lightroom Killer Tips. Okay, definitely worth looking. So if you you know go to iTunes and or wherever you happen to – to uh, subscribe to your podcast. There's no shortage of resources out there. There are some great books we've all recommended uh, so far. Uh, the Scott Kelby book that we've talked about. If I can find a link, I'll put something in the show notes so it make it easier for everybody to find out there. He does a, a daily um, um, a blog that he stays yep. up on. And, and he's he, active on Twitter, too. He puts yep. a lot of stuff out yep. as, as NAP, NAPP. Yep. And when he travels and when he does a book, his most recent book, I know he asks for input. And he'll, you know, that's people that have questions and problems. And he'll ask and he'll put that in the book because he'll rate how many or how many people send in the same question. And I know he has, he has said uh, in his show that Adobe comes to him and says, look at this. He doesn't work for Adobe, but he sure. You'd think he did, though. You would think so. Yeah. And he doesn't. The... Uh one of the big pluses I find in, in Lightroom, well, before I go there, we're at Lightroom 2 point something right now. 3 is in beta out there. Does anybody, any of you guys know what changes they're looking at in the in Lightroom 3 compared to what we have now? I think like Timmy said, they're, uh, 
they're looking at doing a lot with the uh, the slideshow um, section of Lightroom. Other than that, I'm not totally sure. I know that they're, like you said, they're going to be updating the camera raw for mm-hmm. some of the new cameras that are coming out from Canon. Now, do we know if the slideshow is going to be you'll be able to export that and use that? Yes, that's one of the features okay. in slideshows. You'll be able to export it with music. Oh, great! And be be standalone. Where now, now you have to be in Lightroom to do it. They've got something new in the library <laughs> module, some sort of auto syncing, where if you have like an external folder it will resize and put them into the folder the develop module theoretically has been rewritten from the ground up for speed and lots of improvements in the noise uh, noise reduction area i know that well, that's good because right now i'm not terribly impressed with the noise reduction it's not no the noise reduction i, I don't see squat i there, use no- noise ninja for that but a major improvement there. The slideshow becomes standalone. The print module has some features, and I haven't heard on web, but I have not played with that. I'm, um, I'll buy it upon release, but uh, uh, those are some of the things on 3.0. But, uh, okay. you know, I, I, I want to bring up before we before we move too far is, is Lightroom will tremendously – increase the productivity of, of, of your workflow. Um, one of the, there are, there are a number of reasons, but the very, the key to it is that non-destructive uh, uh, editing. And that goes beyond uh, just raw. It's non-destructive when it comes to JPEG uh, and several other formats as well. But this also has features. So instead of actually rewriting the file all the, all the time, you're just making minor adjustments that show on your screen and therefore it's much quicker. And the key to Lightroom, what 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 you got to get your hands around relatively quickly if you're manipulating thousands of images, for instance, your, your bird images you're about to edit, what you want to get your, your head around quickly are the various presets and templates. There are templates that you can set up for your keywording when you import. There are templates... Uh, that you can set up all sorts of develop templates that you can set up or even uh, some are available for free. And there are templates for the web. There are templates for uh, for uh, printing. And by getting your hand around those templates, going in there and either using someone else's or you say, these are the adjustments I always put on my picture and giving it a name and saving it, you can then bring in your picture straight from the card and give it your initial corrections. And when you come back in 15 minutes, there are the initial corrections. There are your keywords. There are there's your your your, your backup copies in, in one folder your, and your, your copyright uh, info, all that, right? All that is there and to be set up. But that is the key to Lightroom's efficiency is learning how to use the various I call them presets, but presets and uh, templates that you yourself design, set up, fill, and then use. And then the second key uh, to to the speed of Lightroom is, okay, now I've I've made my initial adjustments. I go in and I've shot. Typically, uh, you know, if you're shooting a scene, there may be 10, 20 shots that are all in similar, similar lighting. There may be 100 shots that are in similar lighting. And you can go into the first image, make your subtle adjustments, and apply that change to 100 images in probably 60 seconds. Right. See, it's that quick. 
And that's really important. And I don't know if I'm doing it right, but I do know you can copy and paste adjustments you make to one image and apply it to another. Sync is the word they use in Lightroom. So okay. you, pick, you pick your first image and make your changes. Let's say you light up the next 10 images and you say sync, hit click, and bam, 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 bam. And you don't have to apply everything. You can. There are checkboxes that you go through. You can apply the cropping. You can you got it. apply dust removal. And the dust removal is awesome in Lightroom. It's- it's worth the price of admission alone. Oh my God! If you if you get a, a speck of something on your sensor and you don't see it till you're, you know, you're looking through your images and you're at f11 for something and there it is in every image. The dust removal is awesome. There's a good, uh, really good red eye removal. Little learning curve I found with that, uh, but once I got the hang of it, it's a piece of cake uh, doing the red eye removal. Um, now, do you have to do? Uh, you can, I guess, you can do that. A lot of that stuff on import, but you can uh, d- also do it after the fact, right? The red eye I've never done on import, so I can't directly answer that. But, but most, virtually everything that's in that develop module can be saved as a preset, and and you import and you tell you where, where your pictures want to go and what preset do you want to use and what template in terms of your keywording right. and copyrights and off you go. Now, see, historically, I'm awful at that at that one thing. It's it's usually, especially with the Kelby book, I'll go in there, I'll flip through it, and I'll find something and go, oh. That one little thing saves me seven steps, you know, and and something like the templates is something I would overlook for years. And then somebody like yourself would come up and go, no, no, just do a little template and you only have to do it once. Oh, (laughs) I wait. I've historically wasted a lot of time doing seven steps when I when I later find out I could have incorporated it all into one. Yep. Uh, And I want to just jump back real quick. I want if any of the listeners that get went out for a glass of water a few minutes ago when we started talking about Lightroom to realize that Lightroom is with Scott Kelby training. It's either taking a class at your local Photoshop or whatever. It's not that difficult. We all switched now from film to digital. Yeah. Um, this would help make that, that other step for these people. It's beneficial. A, that's a great point. I think there is a lot to Lightroom. Lightroom is a very capable pro- program. Um, there are some things it doesn't do well, and it's not the only program out there. It's the one we're talking about today. I don't know. I can't speak to Aperture because I don't use it. I never have. If anybody out there um, uses Aperture on a regular basis and would like to come on and talk about that, uh, you're more than welcome to. Uh, if there's a you know Photoshop expert. You're welcome to come on. If there are other programs out there that are used, uh, you're welcome uh, to join in the conversation. Today we're talking about Lightroom. We all uh, use Lightroom now. Um, we don't all use it exclusively. There's one thing in Lightroom where you get the option. Um, we're going to be a little inside, go in, a little inside baseball right now. But when you're importing pictures, you can. I shoot all raw now, so in Canon it comes up as a CR2. So that's the the format. Um, and it asks if you want to convert it to a DNG file on import. Do you guys, and it's another format, the, the, the plus to the DNG, you might ask, the only thing I've, I'm aware of is that the metadata with a CR2 or the, you know, the Canon RAW format uh, is, goes with the file as a sidecar. It's not embedded in the image file, uh, so it can be separated. It can be lost in the mix, whereas the DNG file the metadata is embedded with in, in within the image file, and it's a little easier uh, 
to keep it a, a, along with the image as it goes through the, the workflow process. Um, do you guys agree? Do, do you know anything more about the benefit or, or, or why a DNG isn't important? We're converting to that. I, I one of the, Oh, go ahead, Timmy. Sorry. I, I, I was just going to say, I don't see the advantage of doing it. DNG, although it's open source, for lack of a better word, I'll call it a, a, an Adobe format. If I convert to DNG upon import, it slows in my import by about 70% because it's doing conversion. So now I have a, a whole, a whole fo- a folder of DNG images. Now, if for some reason I wanted to use an icon editing program, it won't work hmm. on the DNG. I've gained nothing because if I just bring them in as raw nefs or you bring them in as canons, my Canon or Nikon programs would work if I wanted them to. Lightroom works fine. Yeah, I've got a sidecar, but I have it set to auto save. And so I don't I don't see the I don't see a big benefit. There a small size benefit if you were to stay all DNG, but Again, you're giving up the ability to use the cam- camera manufacturer's program. And I, I do know, and we'll get to you in a second, Rick, but, but uh, I've mentioned Scott Bourne, and he does a, a great podcast called Photo Focus, and it's also his, uh, he has a blog, photofocus.com. I know for a fact that he's talked about this at length, uh, uh, arguing both sides of it. He's found benef- pluses and minuses to it, so it's worth looking uh, maybe at some of his materials at that. What were you going to say about it, Rick? No, pretty much what you guys covered but uh you know from what i've heard on some of the uh like scott Bourne's podcast um you know that like you said the you don't have the sidecar so that uh catalog information is embedded into the image um and adobe i think adobe's big thing is, is that this dng format will be around forever if you know if the c the the raw adobe format changes for some reason down the road, you'll still be able to access your images and, you know, but I, I think it, for our listeners out there, it, you know, you just need to uh, do a little more research for yourself to decide uh, how you want to go. And, and what Timothy said is definitely true that on your uh, ingesting or importing images into Lightroom, it, it's going to create uh, or just cause you more time to do that because of the conversion it's doing. Right. And it's important to when you're importing or doing anything in Lightroom is I found I need to keep an eye on some of the default settings uh, that it pops up with. Because, it, it, you know, I think when you import, when you put in a card, it automatically opens the import screen. And I think it defaults to just keeping it as a, as in the same format and adding it to the catalog. But, but look through the choices it's giving you when that screen pops up. Don't just go with the default. If it's something you don't understand or something you might not want, look through those choices, research them before you do the import. You know, you can change things later if you want. You could re-import it as something else. But I think it's important to, to be aware of the default settings and, and, and that make sure it's imported the way you want and with the settings that you want. Um, there's there my big problem. I, I've talked about it, and you guys are well aware of it. Is the well, biggest. We know your big problem. The, uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I have to charge for that one. But my big thing, the hardest thing for me to get my my head around with Lightroom, um, where years of using Photoshop, I knew where all the pictures were. They were in this folder here or that folder there. They didn't move. I went directly to them and opened them. Well, now with Lightroom, it's this virtual cataloging system 
that I haven't quite perfected yet. I, I'm, I haven't gotten a system down for naming the, the folders in my, uh, my catalog. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure to this day exactly how these catalog things work. Is it one, one, and any of you jump in on this, is there one big giant catalog where I save my images or there, does every folder, every event have its own catalog? How exactly does that work? Anybody? <laughs> cricket, cricket, cricket. Anybody? Well, cricket. I, I, I'll jump in. It's, it's, uh, well, you start by having libraries. Okay. And in my case, a library would be, um, in my case, I have a fire library that contains some 60-some-odd thousand fire images. I have a railroad library that has my train shots. What's in one library is not necessarily in the other. If I just – they don't cross. A library has what you put in it. And, so in uh, my uh, case, I only put fire images in my fire library. Right. And I only put trains in my railroad library. Now, are those so just, library is the starting point. Are those are you creating those on import? Are you creating those with Lightroom? You create in Lightroom. The first import you did somewhere along the way, unless you just let it be a default, i.e., Lightroom two catalog. Oops. You can, you can create fire, family, railroad, landscape, whatever you might be. That should be your first cut. Uh, you know how you do it is up to your. This gets back to shows we've talked about, the organization of images uh, for any photographer in the digital age. Digital asset management is key. So it starts before you ever fire up Lightroom, but it will Lightroom, if you want to manage things right, you start putting libraries together. That's step A. Within a library... <sighs> You have you have catalog which contains the folders. A catalog might might be all photographs or quick collections or previous import, where the folders are just that folders. Again, though, it comes down to organization. My organization, and I'm just looking at my program in my fire, my fire hierarchy goes fire, which is the main the main folder. Within it, it's sort of department. Uh, Air Life, which happens to be the Air Rescue, gets his folder, then Brighton, then Castle Rock, and then so each department. And then within department, I go sort of by event. I'll just sequence them CRFD 001, or I'll give them CRFD 12 2009, and that's where all those images reside. And then you can click through and see. So you, you, it will. Lightroom will work around whatever structure you have. But if you have one big massive folder with everything in it and not subfolders, just like on your hard drive, it's going to be tougher to manage than if you've thought it out and, and, and really managed your dish, digital assets. All that said, though, is, is the 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 catalog folder bit is just really just the catalog is everything that's in there the folders are just like your hard drive but then if you go one step further you have what's called a collection and those are virtual if you're good at your keywording you could make a catalog that says castle rock fire 200 millimeter uh uh, snow shots and and you can set up rules that say anything shot with a 200 millimeter and looks for keywords of snow and castle rock fire goes into this virtual 
this virtual collection and and, and the, your mind's the limit on that but i really think <laughs> you've got to start with good good management good file folder setup on your computer that's reflected within Lightroom. I think that is important, and I think that starts before you import I, the first picture. I think we'll all agree that if you, whatever your system is, it, it can you can tweak it down the road, but you've got to start with some kind of a system because the more images you add to these collections and catalogs without a system, and unfortunately I've kind of done that with Lightroom, so I'm going to have to go fix a lot of stuff. Uh, you just get buried. You get buried in the in this yes. mess. Well, Tim, I'm just curious. I, I've gotten into the library. I walked in the library, got my library card, walked past the little, you know, little row of cards, three by five Dewey cards. Decimal. It's the Dewey Decimal system, the file. <laughs> you know, I, I've passed that, and now I need to go back. Okay? Um, I haven't cataloged. Can I go back, and I don't want to reinvent the wheel and restart the program. Can I go back and start? Doing that catalogization, you can move. You can create folders. You can move th- move images by by dragging everything from one folder to another. Um, you there's no. you know without seeing your structure on the left. The one thing I will say is is you want to make sure. One thing I will say, which will simplify your life immeasurably, is have one main folder that everything sits under. In my particular case, fire. Anything to do with fire is in a fire folder, and then then we drop down. So 61,975 images (laughs) are contained under that fire folder, even though all the fire folder has are subfolders. Why is that important? It becomes important if Lightroom has lost track, you've moved images somewhere. When you say locate, find, and you find it, it will find all the rest that are with it as long as it's not, as long as it's under one folder somewhere. So that's an important tip right there. Make sure you have a master folder that everything else is under that matches up with your library. Now, there's one thing I remember from my workshop that I did with Sammy's is that if you're going to rename anything, if you're going to reorganize anything, you have to do it within Lightroom. Yes. Because if you change any, if you just go onto your hard drive and go, no, I want to rename that folder. Yep. And put the date on there. Lightroom won't be able to find that again because the catalog, when we talk about virtual, um, basically what we're saying is that collection. There's there are no images in that collection. All all that file is 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 pointing toward where the images are. Well, there's there's two problems there. Lightroom can and can't. If you if you rename a folder uh, on your hard drive and then you go into Lightroom, Lightroom will show you the old folder with sort of a question mark and say I'm confused. And you can then do a a locate or find and point it to the right folder. But, and it's going to come back alive. That, but you, but okay. you can do it if you do the change within Lightroom. You don't have to if you do go through that step. If you do Lightroom, life's easier. But now here's a problem. Let's say you rename a file, not just a folder, but a file. You've renamed the file. Remember, there's two, there's, if, if, you're, uh, if, if you're doing this, there are two, 
there are two files, not just one. There may, there's your file, but there's the sidecar. And if you don't rename the sidecar the same thing, it's confused and lost, and you've now done a what could be a non-recoverable error by changing things outside of Lightroom where he can't find the associated sidecar. If you lose your sidecar files... Um, you you will not be able to uh, to have your uh, image adjustments show up. Now, even that becomes somewhat confusing in that the master catalog has all your changes, and you don't have to necessarily um, save every sidecar file and match them up one-on-one with your images. I do as a redundancy because if my catalog suddenly goes away, but I've got my XMP files with the images, I can just re-import them. So it's a, it's a redundancy there. Wow. Do you understand that in the IRC in the in the catalog itself all your changes live irrespective of whether you write an XMP file to go along with that image. You don't have to write XMP files. I think you should. In fact, one of the user tips I would give very quickly is make sure to have write XMP files in your preferences on every time you exit so that you always have those XMP files out there. But you don't have to do that. The catalog itself will contain all the changes, and you don't ever have to write the XMP file if you don't want it. My brain hurts. You know, what's interesting <laughs> is while we were talking about, you know, while I was lamenting that I can't organize, I'm not well organized, and that I don't know these libraries and stuff, Ross leafed through my Scott Kelby book and found that, uh, pointed out to me that Chapter 2... <laughs> organizing your photos. Aha. Um, yeah, page 35. I guess I'll yeah. start reading there. All right, I just have to read the darn book. Actually, you don't because he shows <laughs> pictures. Oh, pictures. <laughs> it's a pop-up book. He needs a pop-up book. Um, well, I don't, I don't want people to become bogged down because Lightroom no. will adapt to any file structure you have. However... It will work better, as will any other photo program, I probably would add, without using them. If you're organized to start, it will all flow better. And yeah. probably the hardest thing to get, I think, if, if you had to say there's a hard part of Lightroom, is getting your head around these libraries and file folder structures. The yeah. develop module is so intuitive I don't. Th- I, you can just go and play, and, but yeah. finding your pictures. If there's a hard part of Lightroom, that's it. And also decide where you're going to store your actual images. I, I have a Drobo now, and so I'm storing, backing up all of my images, all my video on a Drobo, which is an external hard drive array. Uh, and I'm it's fast enough to where I'm actually working from that within Lightroom. So I don't have things in two different places because that would complicate things with, with Lightroom, I think, as far as pointing to where these images are. Um, yeah, you, you don't want that. Now, the other, the other important tip I want to make sure I don't forget to say is when you first file up Lightroom, it says, do you want to back up your, your catalog? Do that every, at least every day, if not every time you open Lightroom. And you can tell it how often you want to do that as but well. What, I, what I'm saying is tell it to do it often. Don't okay. skimp on that. Because if that corrupts and goes away, you've lost your changes. And it only it doesn't take long either to do. And I no, want to make, I'm sorry, Tim. I just want to make sure that listeners out there don't aren't scared away no. from Lightroom. Because um, what we're talking about, we got into a little more... Then um, we're geeking you know, out, as yeah. Leo, Leo would say. But. Yeah, exactly. And and don't get scared there, um, yeah. because it'll walk you through it. Um, I know, uh, like we say, Rick and uh, 
you know, back there and everybody back east, they've been using it. It's it's not that hard. But we're also praising the program at the same time. We wouldn't be right. praising it if it was overcomplicated. It's just we're just kind of getting into the meat and potatoes here. And I, and I think we've exposed that it warrants probably a part two of this. Maybe uh, my idea is maybe to get a, a little more technical, um, but also to give the listeners a chance to get some questions in of their own. Uh, whether- oh, that would be great to get get questions. But one thing I'll mention on you asked about Lightroom, Lightroom three. One of the major changes has to do with import, and I, and I almost forgot it. And this whole import folder bit will be simplified in Light Lightroom three or made more intuitive. That's that is one of the major major changes. But uh, so that that's that's coming uh, soon. And the other thing, especially since you know we suggest a part two. Um, first off, absolutely positively, I've told every photographer without reservation, this is the program to have. And, and I'm not saying that some of the other ones won't do the job. But I, I agree. This, this is so accepted by <laughs> by photographers that I, I absolutely will tell you you'll like it. But here's the here's the great thing. And, and if we schedule another show in four to eight weeks, this is really good. You can download a free fully functional copy for 30 days and give it a try how could you turn that down let me um let me just throw something else out to 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 echo what what ross said he's 100 percent correct don't get scared off by the tech talk that this is we we've stuck our head under the hood here and played around with the engine a lot but you know what you don't need to know how the engine works to drive the car and and yes i mean a lot of that stuff helps it it's great to know what's going on under the hood and that's what we've talked a lot about here but but the reality is go back to what we said originally it's very intuitive. It's very right. easy to use. And a lot of the stuff you've heard now, a lot of people probably nodded off halfway through some of this if you haven't used it before. Um, don't be intimidated no. by that. It, this this is all – this is stuff – it's good to know and you should know it after you get the program up and running and play around with it for a while. But trust us, well, it's worth it, taking a look at. Yeah, we're not salesmen. We're users. And, right. and I think it's important to know that you know we're definitely endorsing this as a, as a product. We use it. Um, you know, there are other products that we would probably endorse as well. But if this is your choice, if you're looking at Lightroom, definitely, especially with a free 30-day trial. But maybe uh, if you choose to get Lightroom tr- and to get that trial, come back to this episode. And as you're using it, kind of have this on in the background. You can start playing around with things and, and, and put in con- into context what, what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, any idea? Anybody know what kind of a price point they're looking at for version three? Is it the same same price, or is there going to be a, uh, an, uh, just an upgrade offer? I bet it's the same price, and, and there'll be an upgrade. But the, the retail, if you haven't gotten it, will be the same. And and by the way, if you want to try that that Lightroom three beta, um, and I believe it's available to everyone. I don't know that you have to be a two O user. But uh, it, assuming it's available to everyone, there is no 30-day on that. That's that's a beta that may go 60 or 90 days, so you may actually get a little more time realizing that there may be some bugs in it, and I'm mm. sure there are. And they'll be looking for you to report those bugs. That's the purpose of a beta. Um, you know, there there's so much we didn't get into. You know, we didn't even talk about <laughs> plugins. And and how many different plugins you you know you, that are available and you can use to to export your images directly to your Smug Mug page with all or your Flickr, Flickr, um, yep. yeah. I mean there are all these things that allow you to export in all these different directions with all all your different uh, uh, specs and parameters already preset. You can go through. I I find it 
tremendously useful. I don't have to go and upload things to five different places anymore. I can do so much of it right through Lightroom, and, and there's definitely um, a conversation in there. So if I can talk all you guys into uh, sitting back down uh, together in uh, in a couple or uh, you know in the next show or a couple shows from now, if we, you know whatever the holidays uh, bring us, I think uh, I think it'd be uh, uh, well worth the time. Yeah, sure. definitely, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think maybe we'll uh, we'll end this one, this part one of uh, of Adobe Lightroom. Uh, right where we're at, and leave everybody wanting more. Hopefully, well, but you know, uh, use use the time between this and the and the next show to uh, maybe get that uh, the beta or the free uh, the trial period and start using it. See if it's something that that uh, that you'd like to work with. You might like the layout of Aperture better than you like the the layout of uh, Lightroom, but it's uh, definitely worth looking at. I think uh, as we end the show, Craig, it would be a great time, um, you know, to remind everybody. Christmas is coming up. Hanukkah is coming up. Hanukkah is next week. Uh, Christmas in a couple weeks. And when Grandma asks you, you know, you don't want that same pair of socks or you don't want your underwear, you know, that plaid pair of underwear again from Grandma, hey, a membership for, to, uh, you know, as I said, NAPP is 100 bucks. I was going to ask for a 1DS Mark III, but. Well, your parents <laughs> would. My 7D. mom. <laughs> <laughs> or even this book. You know, go to scottkelby.com and she can order it. Go to Amazon. Uh, Scott, you could do it right in the corner there. And, um, you know, when it's Grandma... It's a $45 book. Yeah, when Grandma wants to know what to get you, that is a fantastic gift, and you will use it. And next year, she'll say, hey, that book I got you, have you used it? And you can bring it out and show her all the dog-eared pages yep. and all the coffee stains on it, and she'll be real happy. Absolutely. Christmas is coming. We're gonna, maybe we'll try to get a, a show in before uh, Christmas hits it. Hits us, but uh, keep an eye out for those deals. I put some links on on my blog, and I know you guys, Rick, Ted, uh, were twittering some of those Black Friday deals and Cyber Monday deals. So keep yep. a keep a lookout for that stuff. Amazon's having some great sales. Um, like I said, these rebates with Adorama and and Sandisk are still in effect. So look at, look for those deals out there. Um, you know, we're going to go around and get everybody's contact info here. But another reason to check and follow uh, Rick, Ted, Tim, Ross, me on Twitter is when we find these deals, when we find these tin bits of helpful info, we're going to go ahead and, and tweet them out and put them out on the Internet. We're going to put them on our blogs. Uh, so yet another reason to uh, to follow uh, what everybody here is doing. Well, Craig, you, you make a great point there because we're a community. We have found uh, when you and I uh, way, way back when started doing these podcasts, your your theme was community by Flickr and so forth. We all have great knowledge, but to share it and not be able to, you know, give it to somebody else, you're being real selfish. And I think everybody's photography looks better when somebody says, how did you do that? You know, you're not going to say, well, there's a podcast I listen to and I listen to Ted and Tim and they help me out. I, You know, we all do these things. So it's just a real good time to uh, remember this is community. And uh, if you have questions, throw them our way. We we have a great panel here and some guys that are using the stuff. Well, you know, I'll be the first to admit, if my craft has improved, it's improved because I keep the company company like you guys out there, and I and I and I appreciate uh, being able to learn from you after all this time. Um, real quick, you guys, I appreciate the, your time here on a Saturday evening. It's a valuable, valuable evening for most folks, and I appreciate you taking the time uh, to sit down with us. Timothy Tons, uh, where can people see your work and, and maybe get in touch with you? 
Well, my uh, primary website is perfectmomentphotography.com, and that's an easy way to get there. Um, that is is my uh, professional photography site, but really that's just, just a sideline. That's not my real work, but that's a good place to go. And railroad-photos.com to see my uh, my train pictures. And I do have fire-photos.com, but I haven't populated it yet, so uh, don't go there. All righty. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And uh, Ted Pendergast, I heard you toot out a little chuckle there. Your turn. Uh, I am at uh, – my website is firstdophotos.com. Uh, I am on the Twitter as First Do Photos. Um, uh, my email, First Do Photos at Comcast.net. And uh, I'm on the uh, Fireground Action Photography Flickr group quite frequently. I'm there at least once a day, stopping in to check out everybody's photos that they're posting and, uh, and commenting and posting discussions, et cetera, so I can be reached through there as well. Great. Yeah, we see you there all the time. Appreciate your input there. And Rick Knoll. Uh, you can find me, my photo uh, image website is emergencyserviceimages.com. Uh, my blog, uh, multimedia blog site is ricknollmedia.com, and it is ricknollmedia on YouTube. I guess it's youtube.com maybe. Oh, you looked it up. Yeah, I did look it up, right. and, I, and I subscribe to your channel. All right, I'll be subscribing to you too. Um, you know what you need to do is go and reserve the uh, the domain Detroit Fire Photo. Tours.com or something. Oh, yes. Well, go go now. It's crazy. But. Go now. Um, go get it now. Yeah, Ted, you mentioned the Flickr group. It's, it's a great little community we have going on. Uh, the group is, is Fireground. Yeah, Fireground, right? On the, I have so many of these names all over the place, it's hard to keep track of. Uh, but if you go to Flickr.com, get your free account there. Uh, click to sign up on the Fireground group. That allows you to post uh, your uh, your images in the group there for critique and comment and just to share them with the rest of the group. But we have a great discussion forum that's going on there, uh, about 100 conversations going on right now, A couple getting on a couple hundred members in the group. As Ted mentioned, he's on there quite a bit. I'm on there. Ross is on there. Rick is on there. Uh, Tim has been on there. And uh, we have a lot of great conversations, one of which is now about Lightroom. So use that as one place um, before the next show to post any questions or comments, uh, concerns, criticisms you have of the Lightroom program. We want to hear uh, your thoughts on that and uh, bring up any questions you want to ask our esteemed panel there. You can also get uh, the podcast on the Twitter it's our Fire Photos, twitter.com slash firephotos, or you can send us an email at podcast at firegroundaction.com with any of your comments, questions. We'd really like to get your feedback out there on Lightroom uh, so we can uh, can address some of those those comments and questions on the next show with our guys here. Firegroundaction.com is the home of uh, the Fireground Action Photography Podcast. It's also where my blog lives. Uh, just posted some pictures and some video from a, a, a second alarm commercial structure fire in Glendale that happened uh, early uh, morning on the 30th. So check those out. You can also get show notes for all of our podcast episodes right there, and you can listen to them there. You can uh, obviously subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes. You can also download and listen to every episode right there on the website. Um, Ross Benson, where can people see your work, sir? Firepictures.com. It hasn't, uh, the website hasn't changed much, but hopefully by the first of the year it will. Uh, we, I'm working on it. I really am. I hope to get that, uh, that page changed around. Also, Twitter, Firepictures, uh, Twitter slash Firepictures. And uh, I, uh, I read that all the time. I monitor it daily and looking forward to 
talking to more photographers. All right. I do a lot of talking here, but if you want to read more about what I do and my other photography escapades, uh, my website is craigderling.com. If you want to follow my own Twitters, I'm Craig Derling on Twitter. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, uh, and dedicate this episode of the Fireground Action Photography Podcast to our good old friend, uh, Jim Perry, who unfortunately lost his life in a collision in Nevada um, the other morning. Uh, tragic loss. Uh, Ross, uh, you've known him for about 30 years. Uh, would you mind speaking uh, about, uh, about Jim Perry for a moment? Wow. This could get tough for me, as you know. That's okay. Um, That's okay. Jim was a good friend. He uh, he really supported photographers. I remember standing on the middle of the San Diego freeway where there was a plane crash, a Cessna that crashed, and he had a certificate in the back of his car for a local photographer, Boris Yarrow. And he said, you know, we're waiting for the corner. We're waiting for the crime scene to be looked at. I'm going to make this presentation out in the middle of the freeway. I mean, he was so dedicated to the photographers and he always he he ran numerous publications if you shot stuff he wanted to get your stuff there he uh, i won first place uh for my baby rescue picture and he made sure that i got that award um chim was uh, a great guy retired many years ago um he uh um Retired uh, L.A. City Fire Captain, right? Fire Captain, too. Retired uh, many years ago. He stayed. He was one of the founders of the L.A. City uh, Fire Department's union. And uh, he worked tirelessly for the support of the firemen. Um, and he continued to do it. He lived in Nevada, drove out here to California, or he'd fly out here every other month to do a publication of just photos. You know, their union magazine. Um, I know a lot of guys know Jim. We'll miss him. To Brookie and the family, God bless yeah, we'll definitely miss Jim. He was a, a mentor to many, a great friend of photographers, especially in the Los Angeles area. A, a lot of people know his name worldwide. Uh, he's a legend here. He published uh, or edited the um, the L.A. City Fire Department's union newspaper for 40 years and also edited the uh, Fireman's Grapevine. And I know, uh, Rick, you guys uh, are aware of what that magazine is. And um, he's he's uh, been a friend of the fire photographer, as I said, for years. He basically started L.A. City Fire's uh, Community Affairs Division uh, years ago, and he will be missed a, a tragic loss. And our thoughts are with him, his family, uh, as well as the L.A. City Fire Department. Uh, there's plenty of information uh, on Jim if you go to the L.A. City Fire Department's website, and they also have updated information if you're interested in uh, – in attending any of uh, the services that they they do for him, they he was actually on his way to their uh, the union's uh, holiday banquet this weekend, and they canceled it in his honor. Uh, so a, a, a big loss. Uh, rest in peace, my brother. And uh, and not to end on a sad note, but we felt it important to uh, to give him a mention. Um, so until next time, everybody, be safe out on those fire lines, and we'll see you next time on Fireground Action Photography.